going on, everybody? Welcome back to the Going the Distance podcast presented by ImmaculateSports.com. Twitter's at Sports. Instagram is at Sports as well. TikTok, YouTube, Immaculate Sports. Today, it's episode 123. And a lot of football, a lot of craziness, possibly scripted. But we got to talk about the wild card round. They call it Super Wild Card Weekend for a reason. That was pretty crazy. Talk about mm-hmm. all that. Teams were eliminated, the teams that are moving on. Second half awards. Yeah. It's going to be a fun one this week. Uh, primarily only football, I think. Skyler might talk about a little bit of basketball in his opener, but besides that, it should be only football from here on out. Uh, For my opener, I went with the Jags comeback because that was an amazing game to watch as somebody who bet on the Jacksonville Jaguars prior to the game uh, and watching their 27 point comeback against the Chargers and it being the Chargers that they beat too, since they are a divisional team to the Raiders uh, made it so much better. So I'm happy for Trevor Lawrence that he didn't end up following up his uh, first half performance with doing the same in the second half and throwing eight picks, but rather he threw three touchdowns in the second half and uh, got the Jags a victory. So onwards they go to Kansas city. It would have been cool to see him throw eight picks though. I guess. Yeah. Well, the best thing I saw was some basketball. It was the warrior Spurs game at the Alamo dome. Highest attendance in NBA history. Uh, I don't have the number exactly. What was it? 68,000? 68,000, yes. Okay. Uh, but yeah, the Warriors kicked the crap out of the Spurs, 144 to 113. Uh, no Steph in that one yet, but it's still cool to see, you know, a, a basketball game at a football stadium. The mm-hmm. depth perception was even weird for me watching it on TV. So uh, I'm sure it was weird for the shooters. But yeah, that was definitely the best thing I saw. Better than... Uh, for the football games, unfortunately for me. Yeah. Moving onwards to our Immaculate Sports Player of the Week. Well, after last night's performance, we got to go with Dak Prescott and the Cowboys' 31-24 to victory over Tom Brady and the Buccaneers. Dak went 25 for 33, 305 passing yards, four passing touchdowns, as well as 24 rushing yards and a rushing touchdown. Uh, he was perfect. This is probably Dak's best game ever. To be honest with you, uh, I can't think of any other game that kind of rivals it. Maybe before he broke his leg, the week one and week two of that year, where he threw for like 500 yards and back-to-back games or something like that. But uh, yeah, Dak looked mm-hmm. good, and he's gonna have to look good again if the Cowboys want to win this next game against the Niners. But uh, we'll talk more about that game in a week once it happens. Yeah. Moving on to the team reports. Anything with the Jets? I know there was some big coaching move that you guys made this past week. Yeah, offensive coordinator Mike LaFleur has been fired. Now we're looking for a new one. Uh, Daryl Bevel was a quarterback coach, pass game coordinator for a whole bunch of teams. Recently with uh, Tua and then with Trevor Lawrence, the one year with Urban Meyer. I don't blame him for that, though. That was not him. That was Urban Meyer and... And Detroit and some others before that is is the favorite. So, uh, yeah, I don't really know, honestly. Uh, the Jets don't really leak anything out of their front office, which is good. So uh, I have no idea. We'll sit back and wait, but that's that's pretty much it. Yeah, nothing too crazy for the Raiders this week specifically. Uh, we did hear that all the assistants will be coming back, so there's not going to be any 
coaching changes at any part of the team at all. So uh, I guess that's good in the way that guys are getting a year two, and so they can kind of build that I don't know familiarity familiarity with one another, and hopefully that leads to something good in that second year under the McDaniel's coaching. Uh, and then from that, we did get the all pro teams. So I feel like I should mention the Raiders that made those teams. There's three of them uh, and they were all first teamers. And it was Jacobs as expected, Devonte Adams as expected and Daniel Carlson who edged out uh, Justin Tucker to get that top spot. So pretty cool there. No Max Crosby on the all pro teams was kind of frustrating, but I assume that he'll just use that for motivation in 2023 and he'll come back an even better player than he already was. And then uh, nothing much on the car front quite yet. So we'll obviously get more word of that as things unravel over the next few weeks with that deadline day being three days after the Super Bowl for his extension slash cut. So yeah, we'll know within a month. I'll tell you that. I guess I should mention the uh, Jets are Vegas favorites to land Lamar Jackson. I don't know if that'll happen, but there's that's some news, I guess. Yeah. Let's move on to right or wrong, where we go over our picks and see what ones we did good on and which ones we did bad on. Only six games this past week, of course, with uh, it being the playoffs now and not every team playing. So less of a sample to choose from here. Uh, but I feel like we both had a couple picks in here that – justify the right or wrong feeling to them. Mm-hmm. The one that I got really right was Dallas over Tampa. Uh, everybody was saying going into this game, oh, it's Tom Brady. He's won seven Super Bowls, eight Super Bowls, whatever it is. He's going to, you know, keep on going on against Dallas. He's never lost to them and all this stuff. But if you just watch one Tampa Bay game this entire year, you can tell that this team was not good. And the Dallas Cowboys might not be the best team on the planet this year they might not even be the best team in their division or the second best team in their division but they're a lot better than the Tampa Bay Buccaneers and so picking the Dallas Cowboys was one that I went right with where it went wrong I picked the Minnesota Vikings over the New York Giants that obviously did not hit I just felt like that that magic for Minnesota could have stayed for another game and it ended up not staying so yeah. Is that? Well, that's the pick I went right with was picking the Giants over Minnesota. And uh, Minnesota secondary has struggled a lot this year. And the Giants were able to pretty much do whatever they wanted. And that's what I predicted to happen. So I, I'm really happy the, the Giants D was able to hold on there like they did. And where I went wrong was Jacksonville. Um, I don't really want to talk about it. That game was scripted. Oh, shut um, they mentioned it at least five times on the broadcast, Kyle, that it was such a Hollywood script. Oh, my gosh. I mean, what else do you want me to say here? They they literally are taunting yeah, the fans. It's not scripted, They are taunting dog. the viewers. It's not scripted. It's not scripted. You, you don't think that would have gotten leaked, like, once ever? No, because everyone's in on it. Everyone's in on it? Mm-hmm. Even us, the fans? Yes. Shut up. Okay. <laughs> We're going to do season grades and off-season need for the six teams that got eliminated in the order of Seattle, L.A., Miami, Minnesota, Baltimore, Tampa Bay. Uh, and then we'll get into some specifics of the games for these next uh, divisional round. But uh, let's start off with Seattle. Yeah, Seattle was uh, – uh, yes. 
They lost 41-23 to the Niners, by the way. A uh, little more impressive than I thought they would be. I didn't think they'd be at the bottom, but I, I got to give them a B plus because they made the playoffs uh, when they probably shouldn't have. Uh, and their biggest need right now, no matter who's playing quarterback, they can't stop the run on defense. You can't beat anyone if you don't stop the run. So get some run stoppers. I don't care if that's uh, Jalen Carter with a top five pick, maybe sign a bunch of new front seven members. I don't know, man. Like the pass rush hasn't been bad this year. Now you got some corners. So maybe you could switch up the scheme. Who knows? Get some run stoppers. I gave Seattle an A+. I think they nailed this season making the playoffs and finding Geno to be that guy at the quarterback position and giving away Russell Wilson and getting all this stuff back from and end up winning the trade by a landslide after year one. And it's now they have a top five pick. They made the playoffs. They have probably the QB of the future. They just need to go out and improve that defense because it's not too good. They have a few ball hawks on defense with Quandre Diggs, Tariq Woolen, Kobe Bryant, guys like that. But they need to have a better front seven. And uh, it's just not there right now for them. So go get a run stopper. Go get some linebackers and uh, run it back next year with Gino. Yeah. Moving on to the Chargers. Uh, the Chargers are also going to get a B plus. In my opinion, very similar season to Seattle, where I wasn't shocked that they made the playoffs, but it was still a better season than I thought it would be. And uh, your number one need is is any kind of weapon for Justin Herbert because that's your guy, man. We talk about finding your franchise quarterback. They have them. You got to give them some help. And obviously, when the entire O line gets hurt, you can't really do anything about it. I know about that as a Jets fan, 100%, but uh, still, you got to give them a shot. I gave the Chargers a C-. minus. That roster was just a bit too talented to be first-round exits, regardless of guys being healthy or not, because they were, were pretty healthy going into that last game uh, against the Jags. Uh, as far as their offseason need, I said hire a competent offensive coordinator, because obviously Joe Lombardi was not. Yeah, you uh, by the way. They did fire him, so that helps out, of course. So hire an offensive mind that isn't stupid and make Brandon Staley kind of throttle back on those fourth down decisions uh, and also find a way to be able to salt games away because the reason why they couldn't win that game when they were up 27 nothing is because they couldn't run the ball. When you can't run the ball, you can't close games out and that's how you blow leads. And that's something the Chargers have done quite a bit over this last year and a half. So find an offensive coordinator that's good. Just do that. And this team should be good. Moving on to Miami. Miami's going to get a B for me. Uh, a little bit lower grade because obviously the quarterback injuries you can't, you can't do anything about. But everyone else is hurt too. And not everybody has Jalen Waddell and Tyree Kill. And I thought they played really well in the playoff game. But those last couple of weeks before the playoffs, even with Tua, didn't look very good. So it, it's a little bit lower grade than than Seattle and the Chargers. And their biggest need is a healthy quarterback room. Because I feel like they have the right minds and the right skill players, even on defense, too. Uh, but you can't do it with Skylar Thompson yet. Yeah. Uh, I gave Miami a B plus, I think is a pretty successful season for them and the way that they utilized Tyree kill perfectly. They did good on the Bradley Chubb trade and guys are starting to develop in their secondary, even with Xavier and Howard getting a little bit older. Uh, the need that I have was fire the medical staff because 
going into the year and about eight weeks into the year, or maybe even a bit before that, we saw Tua as this complete franchise quarterback and this guy that was going to be on the Miami Dolphins for 10 plus years and, you know, look like a future pro bowler and, and all this stuff, maybe all pro, who knows, all those other awards that come with it. And now we're unsure if he's going to play ever again because of all these concussions. He's got three in one year and two in four days, obviously at that week three, week four point with the yeah. Cincinnati and Buffalo game. And now it's unsure like what his future is. So you couldn't have let that happen. Uh, you got to have a competent medical staff that knows what they're doing out there and isn't just there in the spirit of trying to win games, but also trying to make sure that their players don't die on the fucking field yes. because that's what they practically tried to do to Tua. Mm-hmm. Moving on to Minnesota. Yeah, Minnesota gets an A-. minus. It was an awesome year, but they blew it. They blew their shot. Uh, you know, the NFC is pretty wide open this year. And it's kind of disappointing, even though I picked the Giants. Um, but everyone should be coming back. They need to get younger on defense and get a new defensive coordinator. You know, specifically corners would be the the biggest thing because you still have a a decent front seven and Lewis Seen getting hurt and missing most of the year. This rookie safety, you know, is, is mm-hmm. again, it's tough. You can't control that. But uh, I guess get some corners and and make. Make some firings that you that you have to do because the Giants were running all over them. Yeah, I gave Minnesota an A. They won the division, won thirteen games, had a pretty magical regular season as far as these crazy games that they're winning uh, down to the wire. And I said get younger on defense as well. That's something that should be their point of focus going into the offseason because you already have. Justin Jefferson, you already have Dalvin Cook. Kirk Cousins is kind of locked up as the quarterback for the next couple of years, at least. I think Thielen and KJ Osborne are pretty solid two and three receivers that they have, uh, as well as TJ Hawkinson playing tight end, of course, too. Uh, but their defense, they don't have Daniel Hunter anymore. Everson Griffiths, old Harrison Smith is still good, but he's starting to get old. Uh, and it's just, it's not that same defense that they had in like the 2016, 2017 seasons mm-hmm. where they still have some of the same guys, but they're just, they're old now and they're past their prime. And I know Pat Pete was good this year and he wasn't even on those teams back in 16, 17, but he's part of the regime that kind of needs to not get pushed away, but kind of transition from a little bit in the way that you got to get some younger guys in there. Cause that's the only way that you're going to get better. Like how this next team did this year. I guess. Yeah, I guess. Yeah. Uh, but I guess that leads us right into Baltimore. Yeah. Yeah. Baltimore is going to get a C plus for me. You know, it, it wasn't a, the worst year that could happen. It was just really weird. And it's all about Lamar Jackson. You know, it, it's looking like he's probably never going to play for Baltimore again. And that's the biggest need right there is to bring him back because we know Huntley and Anthony Brown had their flashes, you know, even Huntley in the playoffs for a couple quarters, but they're not, they're not going to, do much yeah Baltimore here uh they got younger on defense that's that's the first step now it looks like they're gonna have to get younger on offense again and get them a freaking receiver too yeah uh I gave Baltimore a C minus I think they just completely screwed up on offense this year trading Holloway Hollywood Brown away uh draft night of course didn't help and then Mark Andrews getting hurt for some games and Lamar being out uh 
bring back Lamar is the number one thing I have because uh, the defense is completely fine. There's nothing you got to change on that defense. They obviously have Roquan Smith now and the corners are playing well. And the pass rushers getting home and all that stuff. Uh, but if you don't have Lamar back, you will have to get weapons. You're because, pretty much the same as the Steelers if you don't have Lamar. Yeah. If Tyler Hundley or Anthony Brown or whoever's playing quarterback from next year is having to throw to Demarcus Robinson and James Prochet, you're not going to do good. And it's not going to be a fun team to play with. And it's not going to be, it's not going to be a good team. You might win eight games, but you're not going to be a legitimate contender for anything. So get weapons. If you can't bring Lamar back, but if you bring Lamar back, I'd still also probably get some weapons too, because that's going to help out your team. Last one, Tampa Bay. Yeah, I definitely thought about the F grade here, but we saw multiple F seasons, and this wasn't quite as bad. So I'm going to give them the D grade here. The biggest needs offensive line, all caps, offensive line. I mean, if Tom Brady can't function in your offense, then there's a serious problem. Uh, also, the coaching staff is is very questionable. We've already seen rumors about uh, the OC, um, Byron Lefwich, possibly getting fired, and we know a lot of people don't think Todd Bowles is capable of being a head coach, even though he's a great coordinator. Um, and then I, I've been saving this for last on purpose. It's Tom Brady. You know, another guy possibly played his last game for this organization or ever. So that's uh, honestly, I think building the offensive line is is more important because I'll get into my my Tampa Bay quarterback uh, scenarios a little later because we have a whole Brady segment coming. Mm-hmm. Uh, but uh, offensive line was the worst I've seen in a while. Yeah. Uh, I gave Tampa an F. I Just because they made the playoffs isn't going to bump it up at all for me. That team was terrible all year, and they just got – they were an NFC South merchant. I'll say that. They got completely lucky that they were in the shittiest division in football and that they were competing with the Falcons and the Panthers for the division. Uh, I said run it back, question mark, is their offseason need because – I don't see like a projectable positive future for this team. If you just, I don't know. Like there's just nothing. I have one. I found one thinking about it all day and we'll talk about it. So I'll, I'll say this. If yeah. Brady comes back, you got to try to retain everybody and hope that something changes uh, back to what it was uh, two years ago. And when you won the Super Bowl. or if Brady leaves, you have to transition to the next era of Tampa Bay Buccaneers football. You can't, Stick with this same defense. You got to start switching things up and uh, move on from what was a good three-year stretch for Tampa Bay. Yeah. All right. That does it for our off-season grades or season grades for those six teams that were eliminated. We have four questions, four things to talk about before we get to halftime uh, relating to each game or team that was eliminated uh, over this past week. First off, we saw two AFC powerhouses play this past week with the Buffalo Bills and the Cincinnati Bengals. They both won, but they did win as easily as expected. The Tampa Bay, or not Tampa Bay, the Cincinnati game uh, was kind of lucky because of that Tyler Hunley uh, fumble at the goal line on the QB sneak that turned into a touchdown for Cincinnati and Sam Hubbard. Uh, so that should have been a bit of a closer game. And then Buffalo obviously went down to the wire against Skylar Thompson. That just can't happen in general. So which scary or which shaky win scares you more for 
one of those teams because they're playing next week. Yeah, I'm going to say Buffalo scares me more in terms of their Super Bowl run. So many turnovers. I don't think they run the ball enough, even though you know they've been doing it a little more, and it's been good. They need to run the ball a whole lot more. But I think I'm still going to pick them to beat Cincinnati at home just because it's Buffalo. And there's something about the playoffs. You know, you, you normally wouldn't say this about a regular season game, but the emotion might might be more than the X's and O's for a game like this. But if they do beat Cincinnati, like I'm predicting here, I think they're going to get absolutely destroyed by Kansas City and Atlanta. And uh, and that's why I think Buffalo scares me more. Because Cincinnati, I think, matches up well against Kansas City, but Buffalo not so much. Yeah. Uh, I'm more scared for the Bills than I am for the Cincinnati Bengals because – in AFC North matchup, we just see those games go down to the wire so often. There's bad blood in every single game. Uh, when in the AFC East, I mean, sure, you have some tough rivalries, but that Bills-Miami Dolphins rivalry wasn't really there because it wasn't to a starting. It was Skylar Thompson, uh, and even in a game where Skylar Thompson didn't play good or anything, I mean, he played decent for being Skylar Thompson in a seventh-round pick starting in a playoff game, but he didn't play out of his mind in order that should have made this game a three-point game what it was at the end. But Josh Allen did not play good. And I think Cincinnati is definitely a team that can capitalize off of Josh Allen's mistakes. And he's going to have to play perfect against Cincinnati in order for them to win that game. And I think I think I'm going to take Cincinnati this week. That's fair. I, I picked Cincinnati a couple weeks ago when their game got canceled. But I, I don't know. It's something about Buffalo. Yeah. I feel that. I don't know. I'm going since ago. Let's talk about the Jags. The Jags pull off that crazy upset win over the Chargers on <clears> Saturday. <throat> uh, and now they go into Kansas City, face a number one seed. What in the world do they have to do to pull off this crazy upset and send themselves to the AFC Championship game? Well, Trevor Lawrence can't throw four picks in the first half. I'll tell yeah. you that. Uh, oh, it's it's the offense they've been running the past couple of weeks that was not the offense they ran in the first half against the Chargers for some reason. It's the quick passing offense, uh, you know, the slants and drags and comebackers. You have big receivers. You mix in the RPO with ETN to keep up with Kansas City. But the problem is that's not it. You need some kind of crazy pass rush to beat Mahomes, you know, uh, Josh Allen has been great on the edge, but they need some help from Trayvon Walker and the interior, you know, the, the other side can't be, can't be doing nothing with Josh Allen getting double team, getting, I, I won't say lucky, but the plays he's made are definitely perfect timing plays, you know, that he, he's not going to be making every week to win the game for Jacksonville. Uh, yeah. So it's going to be tough. You got to play a perfect game on both sides. Yeah. I think if you're Jacksonville, well, I mean, the last few years we've seen an idea of what you have to do against Kansas City in order to beat them. You can't get in a shootout because Pat Mahomes is going to beat you in a yeah. shootout every single time that you get into one. Uh, and you have to be able to win on first down and you have to be able to win pass rush wise without blitzing because yeah. Mahomes against the blitz is just too good. He's going to find guys that get open. So you have to rely on your best players on defense with Josh Allen, Trayvon Walker, and uh, Mr. Fadakasi. So you got to get <laughs> have those guys getting home on, on defense and pressuring the quarterback and making Mahomes do Mahomes-type things because if he's just sitting in the pocket all day, 
if you're blitzing them, it's just not going to work. Uh, the other thing that you got to do is you have to run the ball. Last time against the Kansas City Chiefs, ETN only had 11 carries for 45 yards. You need him to get 20-plus carries in this game. You have to be pounding the ball early with him, and he's got to be effective doing it. Because if he starts off slow and they kind of get your game plan early and Trevor Lawrence is forcing a drop back on 3rd and 8, 3rd and 9, in Kansas City, one of the loudest environments in all of pro sports, he's not going to do well. So run the ball and get home without blitzing. Mahomes. Very well that's said. how they can do it. Will they do it? No. Fuck no. They will not. <laughs> <laughs> but you can try. Uh, let's go to Danny Dimes because he had, yeah. without question, the best game of his entire career on Sunday in that masterpiece. <laughs> Uh, of a victory for the New York Giants. He was 24 for 35 for 301 yards and two touchdowns, as well as 17 carries for 78 yards. I think that's the most we've ever seen Daniel Jones run the ball, but he was a great runner in that game, and he was effective late in the game, early in the game, whatever it was, he was making plays on the ground. Uh, so we've talked about it before. Is Daniel Dimes worthy? Daniel Dimes, Vanilla Vic, Daniel yep. Jones, whatever you want to call him, is he worthy of a contract extension. And we both said yes. Mm-hmm. But now is he into that category of a franchise quarterback where you can give him four years or you can build around him and not be looking for another guy in the future? I think, yeah, he's, he's shown me enough. He's been so efficient this year and with, with no great receivers. I mean, Isaiah Hodgins gets picked up off waivers and he's, he's been good. Awesome. Though. I will say that. He's, and, and that's the thing. Good. He is really good. And I called it by the way three years ago, but he's still a six round pick. You know, <laughs> he's no Stefan Diggs. You know, uh, imagine if Daniel Jones gets some, some help out wide. And by the way, I think he's faster than, than Justin Fields, Jalen hurts. If he stays healthy, he's going to be there for a long time. I think he's worthy of the extension, but the Minnesota Vikings defense is terrible. They have a really bad defense and with the way how Saquon was running in that game even though he only had nine carries but burst in that 30-yard touchdown early in the game it made the running lanes more open for Danny uh, and it let him pass the ball to his wide receivers either easier because they had to load the box to stop Saquon Uh, so is he a franchise QB I'm saying no if he beats the Eagles and sends them to the NFC championship game like Skyler has them then probably yeah and I think the, the Giants will definitely view him that way as well as of right now, I'm saying no because I think the Eagles are going to win that game pretty easily. All right. Let's talk about Tom. Mr. Brady, TB12, the GOAT, whatever you want to call him. Uh, we talked about this last year. We talked about this the year before, the year before that, the year before that, probably last five to six years at, at this point. Is this the end for Brady? What's next for Brady? Is he moving – to Tampa like he was three, four years ago. Was he staying in New England? Will he be going back to New England this offseason? Uh, or will he just be residing in in Tampa as a retired man and a single man? Uh, what's next mm. for Tom? Yeah, if you're Tom Brady and you want to play again, I think you got to leave Tampa Bay. That offensive scheme is such a mess right now. And uh, there's two spots I have in mind. I'll start with Vegas. I know Kyle doesn't like this very much, but I'll try to give you my reasoning here. Maybe not for a future standpoint, but why he would think about going there. It's a familiar face, Josh McDaniels. A lot of years in New England with him. And they got a wide receiver one. They got Devontae Adams. 
uh, or San Francisco. Let me tell you about San Francisco here. They got a great offensive line, great weapons, and Shanahan. This is a guy who is going to call a great game no matter what. I know Brett will probably say otherwise. There's some Sometimes he doesn't like the play calling, but at this point, you can't deny him. You know, Brock Purdy sits behind him for a year, and you do a sign and trade for Trey Lance. So Tampa Bay is not, you know, in, in the garbage trying to find somebody because, you know, they probably won't have as much money either to go try to get a, a, somebody to replace him because no one, no one's as good as Brady's going to be available for Tampa, at least. Um, so Brock Purdy sits behind him for a year. And then whenever Brady's ready to go, it's, uh, it's big cock Brock time. If I'm Tom Brady, I don't think I stay in Tampa. I'll say that. Unless you're retiring, it's a pretty good spot to live if you're retired. But like Skeller said, Vegas just stands out like a sore thumb if you're Tom Brady because they have the wide receiver one. They have one of the best tight ends in all football, and they have the white slot receiver that Tom Brady has been needing. He's got his Julian Edelman right there. He's got Hunter Renfro right there. Uh, and he's got one of the coaches that he's been with for 10, 15 plus years in Josh McDaniels. I think if you're a Tom Brady and you want to keep on playing football, it's too easy of a decision to just go to Las Vegas. Uh, will it happen? I don't know. I really don't know. I'm really, I'm so conflicted about what there is to happen because as a Raider fan, even though this isn't the question, I'll get into it a little bit. I want us to spend the money that we have now with Carr being gone on defense because our defense has just been terrible the whole time that Carr's gone. So focus on the defense, draft a QB, and then you have a window to win for next to three or four years at that point. If you sign Tom Brady, you're going to have little to no cap space. Obviously, you're going to have a few guys that want to play with Tom, and so they go sign with you. But it's just not going to be a good long-term thing even if it ends up one year we go to i don't know the afc championship whatever it is i don't know if it's a super bowl caliber roster if you don't have a good defense and we will not have a good defense if tom brady is on the team so you need one to win the afc all those quarterbacks yeah so i don't want it to happen but if i'm tom brady i'm going to the raiders 100 percent. all right let's end it to halftime all right, welcome back to halftime, and we're going to start off with the divisional round injury updates, some Giants and Philly news. Here are some of the players who had limited practice and are questionable for the Giants. Adoree Jackson, top corner, Isaiah Hodgins, top receiver, Aziz Ojolari, edge rusher, Julian Love, the safety who had a crazy pick that didn't count, if you remember that. Yeah. Uh, and the Eagles, um, surprising news to some, uh, Jalen Hurts completely off the injury report. Nick Sirianni says he's fine. Uh, but Avante Maddox did not practice today, their corner. Uh, that's pretty big. He missed a couple games. Lane Johnson, Linval Joseph, Robert Quinn, some big boys, all limited and questionable. Uh, some news for the Bengals, not great. Um, we found out their left tackle, Jonah Williams, who, well, I guess has been moving all over because their entire old line's been hurt. Uh, has a dislocated kneecap. If did you watch the uh, the new heights uh, with uh, Patrick Mahomes? When did it come out? Uh, like a month ago. 
No, I'm not. Uh, anyway, Mahomes said uh, he doesn't do QB sneaks anymore because when he got up from one last year, his kneecap was uh, in the side of his calf. Mm. And that's pretty much what happened to, to Jonah Williams. So I, uh, jeez, that's, that's not something you want to hear. Uh, Russell yeah. Gage, uh, we saw, uh, he's not playing obviously cause they're eliminated, but I thought we should mention it, uh, mm-hmm. looking for a lot better than we thought. Positive updates from Todd Bowles, which is good. Uh, moving his, his neck and hands, uh, in the hospital. That was scary. Yeah. You're like, are you kidding me again? And there's one more I am forgetting here. Oh, Clyde Edwards Elair. Uh mm-hmm. hurt his ankle, but uh is supposed to practice tomorrow. Yeah. Okay. He hasn't played for a while, I think. Yeah. Maybe he's been healthy and active as or the third or fourth back, whatever in Kansas City. But yeah, Jerk McKinnon and uh, Pacheco mm-hmm. are kind of those guys now in that backfield, I think. All right. So no mock draft today or college news, but I did want to mention some of the coaching carousel news. There are five spots open right now and a lot of very interesting interviews. And uh, thought we should talk about it a little bit. So we'll start with the Panthers. Uh, Steve Wilkes, the interim, is expected to keep the job. They all love him there. Yeah. But they also interviewed a couple Cowboys guys, Dan Quinn and Kellen Moore. They're big two coordinators. Um, again, guys who probably will be head coaches at some point again. I'm surprised Kellen Moore isn't a head coach yet. I I felt like maybe even last year, like yeah. Jerry Jones should have made the move to fire Mike McCarthy and bring in Kellen Moore as a guy because he just he's he's due. The, those backup quarterbacks that sucked in the NFL, but become an offensive coordinator at like 29 years old. Come on. Yeah. It's, well, it's another guy with that exact same background, Mike Kafka, the Giants OC, also interviewed by the Panthers, along with D'Amico Ryans. I feel like those uh, two guys, D'Amico Ryans and Mike Kafka, are, are going to be talked to by everybody, just in case. Mm-hmm. And that's it for the Panthers. I really expected to be Steve Wilkes, but they interviewed some of the big guys to do their their due diligence, I guess. So we'll move on to the Colts. Uh, obviously, didn't work out with... Um, Jeff. With Jeff Saturday, which is unfortunate. And uh, we'll, we'll get to, to that later on with the former player with no experience because one team has questioned it before. But the Colts, uh, as of right now, I've heard their top guy is going to be Mike Kafka, Giants offensive coordinator. They've also interviewed Eric Bieniemy, Kansas City OC, who another guy, uh, very surprising that he hasn't been given a head coaching job yet. Like, why I'm wouldn't you want a guy interviews from that or ranch? something like that, man? Maybe people are scared because Matt Nagy failed. Yeah. From the same system, but I don't know what else it could be. Uh, also, Aaron Glenn, uh, former Jet corner and Saints, uh, Lions DC, interviewed by the Colts. And one guy I think you should uh, keep your eye on just in case, Bubba Ventrone. He's currently the Colts special teams coordinator, and we know uh, Kyle's keeping his eye on it. Bubba Ventrone, um, we know the Colts, Jim Mersey, they they love their in-house guys. So this guy didn't get fired. One of the only guys who didn't. And uh, he got an interview. So Damn. keep an eye on that. Rich Passaccia. Somebody's got to hire him. All right. Who's the Cardinals. Cliff Kingsbury's off. He's in Thailand doing his thing. So yep. they need a new head coach. And uh, they've been really defense heavy to start it off. Vance Joseph, Brian Flores, and Jonathan Gannon, Eagles defensive coordinator. Were, uh, Jesus, I just... Uh, you know, choked there a little bit. Sorry. 
to the listener, the one listener. Uh, so yeah, like I said, defense heavy, that's kind of the mentality they want. And then bring in an offensive coordinator who loves Kyler, this kind of thing. And then also due diligence with uh, Shane Steichen, Eagles offensive coordinator. Now we get to the Broncos. Here's where it gets interesting because their top guy is Sean Payton. And in order to bring in Sean Payton, they would need to give up at least a first round pick to the Saints. And they, they don't, don't have, have one of those yeah. for a while. So maybe they they toss a 2027 first round pick or move on to one of these other guys. How about Iero Ivero, defensive coordinator on the Broncos? Still, he's still there. Uh, didn't get fired. Um, again, another guy in another situation where if I had to bet, it's probably him who gets the job, even if it's just for one year. Uh, David Shaw from Stanford. Yeah. Interesting because I, I you know, Crazy. if they if they said this six years ago, I'd be down for it but there were a couple bad years in stanford and i don't know if it's his fault or the recruiting and then it's a bit of both but he also probably does a bit of the recruiting himself so yeah you know Uh, it's got to be hard to recruit there oh my bad something uh reported by tom pelissaro an hour ago uh but retweeted by rap sheet about 10 15 seconds ago yeah uh oc ben johnson for the lions has informed interested teams he is staying in detroit uh, so he will no longer be in a head coach search well, this year. Uh, I guess I'll take him off for the next team, but we're not quite there yet. <laughs> because the Broncos also uh, got some of their their veteran defensive coordinators in the interview. Jim Caldwell, Raheem Morris, you know, guys who are, are trusted. So if, if everything fails and they don't like Ivero as a head coach, then it's Caldwell or Morris. And the last team is the Texans, who I had Ben Johnson that's the Lions OC, Kyle just mentioned, but we'll take him off because their top guy is going to be D'Amico Ryans. That's the Niners defense coordinator. He played many years in Houston. And one guy you always got to watch out for with the Texans is Josh McCown, former quarterback for them. But he hasn't coached above high school. And look what happened with Jeff Saturday, who was in a very similar situation. They turned on him really quickly. So I'm starting to think that's not the move. And uh, it's another team who's checked in on uh, Ivero from the Broncos. But one guy, I try to find one guy per team, a sleeper pick. My sleeper pick for the Texans is going to be Thomas Brown. That's Sean McVay's assistant head coach. Offensive Interesting. guy. Interesting. Yeah. All right. And that's the uh, the head coach uh, carousel for you yeah. right there. Very interesting to me, at least. I hope everyone else finds it interesting, too, because I know the coordinators and and the schemes are, are cool. You know, will, will it match the offense now? Will they change it up? So, yeah. Here we go. All righty. Let's kick it to the second half. We will start off with the Immaculate Sports NFL Honors Show. Picking our awards for the Coach of the Year, Comeback Player of the Year, Defensive Rookie of the Year, Offensive Rookie of the Year, Defensive Player of the Year, Offensive Player of the Year, and the Most Valuable Player of the Year. Start off with Coach. All right. Coach. Who's the coach? Yeah, my Coach of the Year is Brian Dable. I like this over some of, I guess, the guys who have won more is the best way to say it, just because that's kind of how this award goes. And he did a lot more with a lot less than a lot of other teams this year. You know, shout out to Brian Dable. I'm jealous even as a Jets fan. I love Salah, but I I love how Brian Dable got, a you know, one leg up on him by winning a playoff game his first year. Yeah. Uh, I'm going in the direction of a guy who will not win it this year. Yeah. Uh, but I feel oh, okay. I picked Andy Reid. 
Uh, and the reason why I picked Andy Reid, I explained it to this guy a little bit earlier, but I'll explain it again on here, is I feel like this award has became like the MVP uh, in basketball, where LeBron was so good for so many years, but he wasn't winning MVPs because he was LeBron. And it wasn't anything crazy that he was doing because it was just LeBron, and we put him in a different category than everybody else. Yeah, Andy Reid has gotten to that category. Uh, and he's the best coach in the NFL. It's not even close. I don't even think there's anybody that I'd even put in the tier below him either. That's how big of a difference that there is right now. Uh, and he's not going to win it this year. But uh, And I'm sure Andy Reid doesn't care about the coach of the year, to be honest with yeah. you. But he he deserves it. And he does, has deserved it for the last like five to six years at this, at this point. No Tyree Kill. And he's still scheming up plays to get Kadarius, Tony, McCole Hardman, Juju Smith-Schuster, all these guys. Uh, Jerick McKinnon, another one, uh, open and scoring touchdowns yeah. consistently uh, throughout this entire year. Well, shout out to to Sirianni, Mike Tomlin, and uh, uh, who's the other one? Kevin O'Connell. Uh, O'Connell, yeah, because yeah. those guys were great too. Mm-hmm. Comeback player of the year. This is a guy who's probably not going to win it, but I went with Nick Gates because I was watching that game last year when yeah, he snapped his too. leg in half. And uh, that was horrific. I, I never thought he'd play again. And he had seven surgeries, almost lost his leg. And he's back starting for them in the playoffs. He's a freaking warrior. And to me, that's the definition of the award. But I also yeah. wanted to shout out Geno Smith because he's going to win it. And, uh, you know, different challenges, more mental challenges with him. But, you know, he he was still a, a great comeback player. So, yeah. Yeah. Uh- a lot of people didn't like when Ryan Tannehill got the comeback player of the year a couple years ago when he yeah. went to Tennessee and kind of revived his career. Uh, but I'm going in that same direction with Gino because he was actually one of the best quarterbacks in the NFL this year. And that is shocking itself to say, uh, just looking at where he was a year ago. Uh, and I know there's a ton of guys who had injuries this past year that ended up being pro bowlers like CMC and, uh, Nick Gates was solid as well, of course, but yeah. Gino is a crazy story, and so he deserves to be the comeback player of the year, in my opinion. Moving on, the defensive rookie of the year, we both know it is Please. not going to be Sauce, no. <laughs> uh, and uh, yeah, tell me why Sauce is the D. Roy Scaler. This guy is is so great. Uh, you know, the Jets have had a lot of years with some terrible secondary play, so when this guy came in you immediately saw the difference and i know he doesn't have the uh the interceptions as as uh some other guys may have but i am very happy with what he did and he's already looking like a superstar and it, it blows my mind so it's sauce and there's there's no honorable mentions here uh i'm definitely going to talk about somebody else i gave it to sauce as well but we have to talk about Tariq Woolen. i know you don't want to do it but we have to because in any other normal season, Tariq Woolen would have won this by a landslide because he is the next coming of Richard Sherman. He is this ridiculous, like Madden built corner where he's six four, six five, super fast. Uh, and it's just not the speed and it's not the size, yeah. but he has great ball skills. He is great in coverage. He's he's amazing. And he's a rookie as well, too. So it's a late round pick, too. It's awesome. Uh, yeah, I, I'm saying Tariq Woolen as the honorable mention, of course. Uh, it goes to Sauce, but I feel like we had to give him some shout-out as well because I know you weren't going to. Offensive Rookie of the Year. This one's an interesting one. There's a few guys that you can look at. 
uh, I feel like it's the award that has the most, I don't know, leeway, I guess you can call it. Yeah. Uh, who do you have here? So I think there's three tiers to this. Uh, I'm going to go with Brock Purdy as my winner just because there was no way in hell I thought this was going to happen, uh, especially at the quarterback position, you know. But then again, he didn't play the whole season like some other guys did. Uh, so tier two is going to be Garrett Wilson. And that's, I guess that's my first honorable mention. So I thought he was, and I, well, I guess you could put a lave in there too. Garrett Wilson and a lave, the tier two guys, the, the best overall offensive rookies. And then tier three will be all the hurt guys. I don't want to mention them all because there's so many of them, but uh, you know, even a guy like, um, like Kenneth Walker, who has the best odds right now, I don't think we'll win it just because he, he missed a couple weeks and missed out on some, some yardage, you know, so I'm going to give it to Purdy. Yeah. Uh, so I'm giving it to Purdy. I think he definitely deserves it now at this point, considering he was the last pick in the draft and then became yeah. a starter on perhaps the best team in all of football and has not lost a game since he came in for the Niners. Uh, I think tier two is like identical for yeah. Olave and Garrett Wilson, they pretty much put up the exact same stats if if you calculate the two games missed for Olave. So yeah. nearly the same exact season. Uh, and then if you want to call it a third tier, if you just want to call it another tier, uh, is where you put Kenneth Walker, Tyler Algier, uh, and Damian Pierce because they all had great seasons. Damian Pierce was hurt for four games. Definitely would have gone to that 1,000-yard mark. Uh, Algier... Got to that 1,000-yard mark, or Algier, or whatever his name is. Uh, he's got a weird name to say. Sorry. You're looking at me weird. Why, why are you looking at me weird? You There's me one nervous. more. Uh, and Kenneth. And Breeze as well. Yes. Breeze is another <laughs> one. But he got hurt a little bit too early for him yeah. to even register in my mind here. Uh, but all those guys, the running backs, yes. uh, were amazing. So they're going to have good careers, of course, but just not rookie of the year's careers. So. Yeah. Sure. Let's move on to offensive. Do you want to depoy or opo first? Actually? Well, you started off with offensive, so right. might we'll as go well. Offensive. We'll go offensive. Yeah, uh, it's Justin Jefferson. He is so freaking good, man. I mean, mm-hmm. uh, we we're talking about last night. I don't remember if you were here for this, but uh, players with the most career 200 yard games. He's already like third place of all time for receivers. Um, ridiculously good. Uh, and I'll shout out Josh Jacobs. It's my honorable mention. He's the best running back and definitely didn't see that coming. So yeah. congratulations, Kyle. Uh, so number one guy I went with Jefferson. He was the only non-wide, non-quarterback who had a case for uh, MVP, in my yeah. opinion. And he was downright amazing this entire year. Tier two uh, is where I put Adams and Jacobs because Adams led the league in touchdowns, was third in receiving and also had 100 catches, and Jacobs was the only player in the NFL this year to have 2,000 all-purpose yards. So I got those guys there, but Jettas is the number one guy, of course. Yeah. Uh, and then that moves us into defensive player of the year here. Skyler, who do you got? Yeah, uh, it, it's really close, but I'm sorry. It's going to Nick Bosa. Um, he's so freaking good against the pass, man. He throws tackles away, and, you know, Crosby's – Crosby's really close to him, but he, he's an honorable mention, unfortunately. But I, I also want to shout out all the defensive tackles this year. Chris Jones, Dexter Lawrence, Quentin Williams, Christian Wilkins, and De'Aaron Payne. 
so freaking good. We got a new era of, of defensive tackles who can rush the passer. And it, yeah. it's got to be scary as a quarterback seeing that that line like from the front move straight back into you. So awesome year for D-line. Yeah, I'm going Bosa as well. Uh, I do want to shout out a couple of DBs who will not get that notice because they only played yeah. 12 games this year. But if Char- Chauncey Gardner-Johnson yeah. and Justin Simmons played 17 games this year, they would be on that that situation because Simmons played 12 games this year. He had six picks and three forced fumbles. That's ridiculous. Nine forced turnovers in 12 games. That's that's like Charles Woodson and 09 numbers together. And I think you know those numbers. Don't even talk to me about that year. So it's going to be Bosa, but I feel like we should shout out those two guys that played 12 games this year. Sure. And then MVP. Uh, I don't think we went the LeBron effect route here. We no. kind of went with the guy uh, that we we both know should win it. Yeah, it's Patrick Mahomes, man. He was the best player in the league this year. You usually don't see that from a quarter. At least in my opinion, you don't see it from a quarterback. You see it from a tackle or Aaron Donald or, uh, you know, such as such mm-hmm. like that. Uh, you know, Jalen Hurts, I don't want to say he was close because he was not as good as Patrick Mahomes. But, you know, he, an awesome year for a, for a two-spot, for sure. It just sucks that Mahomes is so good. He's so good. Yeah, uh, I'm, I'm going Mahomes as well. This is a pretty easy choice. Uh, even for me, when I was in love with how Jalen Hurts was playing in yeah. the first 16 weeks of the season, but getting hurt and having a rough end of the season wasn't uh, – really up to par when Mahomes was playing every single game and just dominating every single one. Uh, I do want to give an honorable mention to guys like Justin Herbert, uh, Joe Burrow. And I guess you could even throw uh, Jared Goff in that category as well. Cause Jared Goff played really damn well down the stretch. He's not going to get any MVP votes and I don't think he should, but he was the best that he's been in his entire career. So it's awesome. Uh, those guys I do want to talk about a little bit because they're not going to get anything. Uh, but Pat Mahomes getting his second NFL MVP this year. Uh-huh. All right. Let's move on to our layups and bold predictions. And we had a good week. Skyler, we did it. We went two oh one and one uh, <laughs> with two wins, zero losses, one push, and one to be determined. Uh, so... Last week in the layups, I had Niners minus 10 that hit by quite a bit. They won by 18. And then Skyler had Cincinnati minus 7 versus Baltimore. That was a seven-point game. So I'll take the push for sure because the line changed to 8.5 or 9 around game time. Yeah. Uh, This week, I have Philly minus 7. When these two teams played in week 10 or whatever it was, it was not even close. And Philly just dominated them this entire game. Sure, it was close in the week 18 game, and oh, the Giants were playing their third stringers or whatever it was. But Daniel Jones with Isaiah Hodges and Darius Slayton playing wide receiver against Darius Slay and James Bradbury. Yeah, it's that's all I got to say. It's going to be pretty fun to watch there. Uh, it's going to be a high-scoring game, too. I will say that, I think. Okay. Uh, but right. I got Philly minus seven as my layup. Yeah, my layup's going to be the Niners minus three and a half against Dallas. I, I don't buy anything Dallas is doing. I think 
Tampa was horrific. And even though I picked Tampa, they needed to play a perfect game to win by three. And for some reason, uh, you know, I had the Brady shades on and I, I just, I didn't see any other option, but, uh, I still don't believe in Dallas. Sorry, everybody. San Francisco wins by touchdown at least. I do think Dallas matches up somewhat decently to San sure. Francisco, but they, I think because they can actually run the ball. Yeah, if this was a two and a half, I think I'd jump on it. But three and a half with that field goal is just so fucky, man. It's so fucky. Uh, last week for our bowl mm. predictions, I had the Eagles Chiefs Super Bowl matchup at plus seven hundred. That's obviously still alive because those two those two teams did not play. Uh, it's not going to be at plus 700 anymore because some teams were eliminated. So uh, if you got that would be good, good on you. Uh, and then Skyler had the Giants over Minnesota. And that hit, of course. So good yes, job, Skyler, there. This week, I'm keeping the Eagles versus Chiefs Super Bowl matchup. Uh, but my specific one of this week, I have Cincinnati plus 195 going into Buffalo and taking down the Bills. Yeah. Buffalo, Bills, play in Buffalo. Mm-hmm. All right. Well, I'm keeping it going. Like I said last week, the Giants are going to the conference championship game. Kyle, what are you doing there, bud? You know what I'm doing. Okay. <laughs> right. Well, it's it's plus 285. And I don't care about Darius Slay, Kyle. My Kafka is going to call the game of his life. Danny Dimes is going to run for 78 yards in the first half again or whatever he did. And the Giants are going to get it done somehow. You know, Philly hasn't played all together in a couple weeks now. I think they're going to be rusty, and the Giants don't care. Let you know, just, crazy things can happen in divisional games. Let me just remind you yes. of what the Eagles did in uh, that game that they played against the Giants when both teams were playing all their starters. Okay. Uh, Jalen Hurts, 21 for 31, 217 yards, two touchdowns, no picks. Miles Sanders. 17 carries, 144 yards, two touchdowns. Jalen Hurts, seven rushes for 77 yards and a touchdown. Boston Scott, anytime touchdown Boston Scott's a good one because he destroys the Giants. Six carries for 33 yards and a touchdown. Uh, A.J. Brown caught a touchdown. Devonta Smith caught a touchdown. Uh, and it was a 48-22 to 22 game. So uh, just think about that before you, you place a bet on I thought about this it. Weekend. Uh, but with that being said, that's going to do it for episode 123. We will see y'all next week for 124. We'll talk about the Eagles and their big victory over the Giants. We'll talk about this. I'm sending out the freezing cold takes. Yeah, I want you to do it, Skyler. I really, really do. Because it's going to be a 45-point game. No, it's not going to be a 45-point game. <laughs> but it's not going to be close. It's not going to be close. I'm sorry. All right. Well. We'll see you guys next week. Go Giants. Go Eagles. Fly. I'm flying away.